this week's episode of the Limehouse podcast, we have Madalena Kay. You know, hearing this stuff on the radio about Boris Johnson and the bus and Nigel yeah. Farage, and I was just going, who believes any of that rubbish? And so when it happened, I guess I was actually I was shocked, but I wasn't surprised because when I reflected on it, I thought actually, yeah, there is a lot of right-wing politics in this country, and yeah, you know. The Remain campaign was very quiet, it was very silent, it wasn't convincing. So wherever you are, please enjoy this episode of the Limehouse podcast, your liberal speakeasy. Yo soy Margarita y estás escuchando Limehouse Podcast. Hello, 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 hello. This is Nick Clay and you're listening to the Limehouse Podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Because I'm not persuaded by the case for war. This is what positive politics can do. So, how have you been? I have been great. It has been wonderful. I don't know why I'm saying that in that tone of voice. It's just the way things go. It's been a long old week for me, a, a long working week. It's been, my hands are, one hand is actually covered in fertilizer, so it stinks of chicken shit, and the other hand is as clean as a whistle. I don't know how that happens. I don't know how it happens, but that's just the way it is. This week's show is is a good one. I, I mean, really, he's a really inspiring young person on the show, and it's fantastic. Madalena Kay, aka EU Supergirl, she's been all around Europe uh, promoting Europe, getting the vibe from from Europe, and bringing it back to us Brits. She's written books on on refugees for kids. She's uh, written songs. She she's an artist. It's never ending. She's a fountain of creativity and it was wonderful to have a chat with her and she came all the way um, across London, actually down from Sheffield um, to, 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 be, to be with me, which was a, a wonderful chat and I, I really, really enjoyed it and I've got to thank her so much for giving up her time and she sang a song for us at the end, which was wonderful and I, I, want, you, I want to encourage you to to stick around for that because I think you're going to get a lot from it. It's a, it's a wonderful song. Such a talented person. And uh, yeah, she's going to be there on the 23rd of June for that um, March in London for the, obviously, the Remain March. And I, I think a lot of other dudes and dudesses are going to be there. It's going to be fun. I just said dudesses. Mm. Uh, there are going to be a lot of cool people. Femi, t- I mean, half of the, all of, I should imagine, the main Remain people are going to be there. So it's it's going to be an amazing march. One um, voice together. And come along. You will enjoy it. I guarantee it. And we have to show solidarity in this specific moment in time and put pressure on the whatever they are. Are they are they government? What are they? They're like senseless, mindless morons that are bashing their head against the brick wall. We've got to, whilst they're bashing their head against the brick wall with Brexit, we have to try and scream in their ear and try and get their attention. But I suppose they're fully aware of us already. But anyway, so Madalena, you'll probably seen her on telly as well. She's been on uh, a, a number of uh, BBC news programmes. Uh, I saw her most recently on, uh, on I think it was a politics, Sunday politics show um, with Nigel Farage. And that was quite entertaining. Uh, any, any form of uh, Farage cover, coverage is always pretty entertaining in a negative way, obviously. Oh, I don't know. God, sometimes I find myself laughing along with him. His laugh is very infectious, but in a bad way. You kind of stop yourself halfway through laughing. Uh, whoa, what the hell happened there? Gee, I'm, 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 I've got a little bit of a smile. Stop it. Nigel, Nigel, how did you do it? Nigel, Nigel, come on, William, laugh with me. 
Off with me! I know, I know, but that's the way we are. So yes, I'm, I'm, I'm going to just crack on with this show this week. I don't know who's coming on next week. As per usual, that's not going to surprise you. I don't think that's going to surprise you one jot. It's not my form, is it, to to have things lined up for you? I, I always feel if if I if I were to, to to come out and say X Y Z is going to be on the show next next week, you know, in your head, probably better than me, that's not going to happen. Yeah, well, all right. How long have you been saying David Lammy's coming on the show now? Six months, eight months, ten years? I don't know. Who knows? God almighty. I tell you what, I did email his people. They said, yep, get back to us. Yep, yep, we'll, we'll definitely get something in the diary. And that's how they speak, obviously, in Port Carlos House. Uh, we'll get something in the diary. Don't worry. Just just, just email us ne- next week. Did that, nothing. Uh, okay, sorry. Yep, yep. Um, email us next week. Did that, nothing. It's a very did that, nothing kind of thing, chasing my tail here. I must say, if I had 30,000 followers, like other podcasts, I'm sure that would be a different case. It's quite funny actually i have asked quite a few guests on to this show that aren't they're not massive high profile and they'll always i'm writing a book or i'm mega busy and then they'll just pop up on shows that that, on on another podcast a a week later and i always find that quite galling i'm a bitter bastard you see i sit here in limehouse towers just twiddling my thumbs thinking about all the you know, all the bitterness that I have inside me. And I'm going to turn it into a, a wonderful ball of energy that I'm going to let out on the 23rd of June on that pro-EU march. God almighty. I might take the dogs. Uh, maybe not. I don't think. I think that's a bit cruel, isn't it? But I do like to see dogs on, on, on protest marches. But yeah, anyway, if you do have any guests, suggestions, look, just reach out and, and let me know because it would be quite cool. I've been trying to get Matt Ford on the show for a while now and James Bell and Bonnie Greer. Bonnie Greer is um, a funny one. I, I, I've, I got really close to getting her on the show and then she just massively like um, retracted it and pulled out. I was like, no, I'm, I'm not too sure. Maybe, maybe down the line. I was like, but we literally got to almost nailing a date. So that was weird. But yeah, I, I want to try and get those people on the show for you. But if there's anybody else, just let me know. You know, it, it does help. And just email me. Just, just email me, the Limehouse Podcast at gmail.com. And uh, also, um, what's the other one? Yeah, Twitter at Limehouse Pod. So, yeah, other than that, I think we're done, really. I, I heard that Lord Lord Maxwell Heathley is going to be setting up his own podcast. I think it's um, coming down the line. I mean, he, he, he was ranting at me on the phone the other day. Obviously, he's a previous guest on the show, and he was hounding me about uh, what I, how he should set up a, a this podcast. So you might be able to check that out at some point too. But if he does, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you know on this show because I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure an eccentric like that is fumbling around with like what eighty five year old he is, whatever, with technology and podcasting. It could be quite funny. Could be quite interesting to see what that guy comes up with. Anyway, enjoy. Madalena, I know you will. I did. Absolutely loved it. She's a total EU superstar, EU supergirl. Amazing. Check her out. Look her out. Look her up on um, Twitter. That's the one. And uh, and all that sort of stuff. And, in, and enjoy your weekend. Enjoy your life. Enjoy, enjoy your life. Enjoy your life. God. Who, think, who writes these scripts? Uh, in, yeah, enjoy your life. That's the one. And have a, <laughs> have a lovely, have a lovely rest of your early summer. Okay. All right. Okay. Let's do it together. So, you've you've done four assemblies today. Yep. What was the best one? Oh. And by the by, by the way, assemblies obviously. For, I've just launched into that. You you speak to classes, right? You speak to people, your kids and stuff. Yeah, I got invited into a primary school um, to talk about my book, which is about well, one of my books, which is about refugees. But, uh, I mean, I wasn't going to mention Brexit, but one of the kids did. Apparently, the, <laughs> apparently the head teacher's been showing them my videos on YouTube and stuff. Oh, really? So, Amazing. yeah, one of the kids uh, asked me, uh, why are you fighting against Brexit? And I was like, well, since you asked. <laughs> so I did manage to get I yeah. did manage to get it in there. Since you ask, and here's my guitar. Boom. <laughs> Brexit's bullshit. Oh, my God. So, yeah, so you've done four, four assemblies today. Back to back, half back an hour each. Back. Yeah, I was just saying before we pressed record how 
how goddamn nerve-wracking. I mean, I know they're, they're little kids still. Do, do, you, do you get nervous before you start chatting away, talking away to these kids? No, not at all. Like, I mean, kids are great because, like... If well, you, you are a superhero. Exactly. I, yeah. I was literally wearing my Supergirl outfit and I had my gold... They loved the gold trainers so much. They would, they just I love the gold trainers. So, you know, you just turn in and you can just, like, you just mess around with them. You're just sort of staring at them and pull funny faces and stuff. Yeah. And, they're, and they're totally engaged. And then, like, I mean, it was relatively simple because I, you know, I just introing stuff about refugees that I know quite a lot about. Mm-hmm. And then... I just read my book, um, which is fairly easy because it's there in front of you. And then I did a song with them and then just let them ask questions. Yeah. So it's it was quite chilled. It was... And speaking to kids, I mean, they really, they see it transparently and they, they you know, they call a spade a spade, don't they? They don't hold back. What's their, if you talk about refugees, what's their um, their feedback? What's their reaction to you and what you have to say, the information that you're giving them? Is mm. it sad? Are they sad or are they... No, they're just, they're very engaged. I mean, like, I try and involve them in the, you know, the sort of discussion by asking them questions as I'm going through. So I'll ask them, you know, I'll say, I'm talking about refugees. Does anybody know what a refugee is? And I'll let them lead the conversation and yeah. sort of uh, take them along it. And, you know, I was showing them some photos that were a little bit hard hitting, but I mean, I was very selective with what I was choosing to make sure that it wasn't going to upset them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and the story that I've written is a very, it's a happy story. Um, you know, there's a happy ending and, you know, they have to go, they see the journey of the refugee, but, you know, it's, it's, it's told in a way that's engaging and fun and colourful. Yeah. So should we talk a bit about your book then? So when, I mean, God, I always want to start a little bit further back, actually. Oh, yeah. This is the first thing that I did. Yeah. Like, what? what's, I mean, like, how, sorry, how old are you? 24. 24, okay. When when did it really start for you, like, the whole political thing? Was it Brexit? Was it pre-Brexit? It was, yeah? It was pretty much, the political stuff started Brexit. I mean, I've always done art, arts projects. I got funding from O2 to do eco-arts projects with, like, homeless people and um, young carers and stuff. So I had always had, like a, like, a social conscience. But in terms of the politics, no. I, and to be honest, I didn't know a lot. I, uh, I've learnt so much since doing all this campaigning about the political system in the UK. And, yeah. Um, things but it was literally you know 24th of June 2016 picked up a guitar wrote my first protest song really yep do you know what it's so funny I was listening to um the Romaniacs podcast and they had Billy Bragg on oh yeah and it was like one of the greatest like I mean I I don't particularly necessarily agree with um Jeremy Corbyn on a whole bunch of things but and obviously Billy Bragg's a big you know supporter of of, uh, Corbyn but he started talking about that the gig he played the, on the day, the Friday after Brexit, after the vote, at the left field stage at Glasgow. And I was there and I felt like I started welling up because all, all the memories started coming back. There's so many people. I mean, it wasn't, there was like, you know, 900, 1,000 people in that tent. And um, I just feel so privileged to be in that moment. Mm. And do you, do you, who do you sort of like look to now for like protests, like singers of... of aspiration like legends heroes that you hold up oh gosh um is billy bragg in there the billster no to be honest with you i don't listen that much to protest songs i mean um no not really i've got to be honest most protest songs okay i'm discounting uh modern like you know sort of um plan b i don't know any sort of like social commentary kind of stuff I'm sort of more concentrating on like the Vietnam stuff and then the hippie movement or the stuff around the late 70s of the punk movement and then obviously Billy Bragg and stuff like that um, around Thatcher. We don't really have anyone at the moment. I mean, it's almost kind of It's funny. not commercially viable. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. The commercial industries run scared of anything that's got political content. It's very deliberately, it's, it's manufactured. And how do you make, how does that make you feel as a consumer? Like, I mean, I'm not, I'm not even patronising. I'm 36. I feel like when I was 24, I was like, absolutely, politics was in the back burner. Mm. Bit of a rock, perhaps. But, you know, if Brexit had come along, I would have been totally motivated like, like you. No, because we have this apathetic youth thing going on. People yeah. just aren't engaged. They don't consume it. They don't buy it. Tell you what, two, I've, I've just thought of two that um, I do really like. Black Eyed Peas. Mm-hmm. Where is the love? 
Now, you know, the normal stuff they do is just like, you know, my hump, my hump, blah, blah, blah. You know, all this like... Great stuff. stuff. <laughs> Epic stuff. Yeah. Um, but no, seriously, that song has got some, you know, and the thing is that all the people that normally listen to, you know, the the rap and the whatever will have listened to this song as well. And yeah. I think that's really important that it's getting out to those other audiences. And then the other one is Macklemore. Okay. And he's done a song called Wings, um, which is basically about consumerism. Uh, and he's done other songs about like LGBT issues. Mm-hmm. Um, he's an amazing rapper. Yeah. So you're, so yeah, just going back, because I've, I've rambled again, but just going back to your, the start of it. Yeah. Um, you wrote your first protest song on the eve or the, the re- referendum result. Yeah. 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 And were you in shock when you wrote that? Were you a bit like, oh my God god what has happened because i mean like me I, I didn't i didn't really go out and campaign to stay in europe no it just did not happen were you out there campaigning at all pre no i didn't because it was like a non-issue i was like you know hearing this stuff on the radio about boris johnson and a bus and Nigel yeah. Farage, and i was just going who believes any of that rubbish you know um and so when it happened i guess i was actually i was shocked but i wasn't surprised hmm because when I reflected on it, I thought, actually, yeah, there is a lot of right-wing um, politics in this country. And mm. yeah, you know, the Remain campaign was very quiet. It was very silent. It wasn't convincing. Yeah. And what, what I mean, look, obviously, like, retrospectively, hindsight, all that jazz. What do you think Remain did wrong? And obviously, we're focusing now a lot on uh, final say on the deal mm. and what have you. What do they do wrong and what can they do right if we do get that second reference? Well, you know, final say on the deal. Well, we've got to demand the, the people's vote first. Yeah. And that's the, that's the step, that, you know, it's a stepping stone to then trying to win people over. But no, it's really, really important that we focus on uh, what was wrong in the Remain campaign pre-referendum and rectify that immediately. Mm. And my concern is that actually it isn't being done and it isn't being addressed soon enough. Because what the Remain campaign didn't do was it didn't um, speak to people on an emotional or a personal level. And that's what the Brexit campaign did. And it did it very effectively. It used imagery. It used these three words, slogans. Um, It was led by, you know, familiar um, political faces that, you know, people recognise. And um, it was very it was very persuasive. And actually, the comms director of the Leave campaign was recently came out and said that they used tactics similar to the Nazi Germany. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. And he actually admitted that. But the thing is, you've got to ask why he used those tactics. Why? Because they work. Yeah. And that means that we've got to play the same game. Hmm. So we need to bring the argument down to a personal level. We need to start using emotional tactics and my concern is that we're still on this project fear narrative where it's always talking about negative impacts of Brexit, facts, facts, facts. And then somehow the campaign thinks that if they prove uh, what they were scaremongering pre-referendum is actually going to happen, mm. then people will be convinced. Yeah. No, those people weren't listening before. They won't be listening now. Yeah. We need other strategies. So, th- I mean, that's another thing. So I think what I'm trying, I'm, I'm sort of, the, the conversations I've had with people is that the, there's a different landscape. There's a different sort of sector of society that like yourself and like myself, because I wasn't that, you know, I was much like yourself, pre-election, uh, referendum rather, I wasn't involved. But now you've got people like, you know, OFOC and stuff like that. Uh, Remainer now, really, really great group. Obviously, best the the big players, obviously as well. You know, scientists reu and all these people are managing to harness something, perhaps. But the 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 thing is, for me, it's got to be a movement. You know, like because we've, um, it's all very good. You know, MPs like Owen Smith, uh, Vince Cable, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, coming out and and having this stuff. But they they are almost the establishment, right? Well, they are the establishment. Yeah. People like yourself are the key to this. People don't trust politicians anymore, and that's Mm. totally understandable. So I am a little bit concerned at the People's Vote campaign being led by politicians because people don't trust them. Um, And, yeah, I mean, you're right, there are whole swathes of society and the people that we really need to engage with and we really need to bring on our side aren't involved because we're operating in an 
echo chamber most of the time that's the thing you know we can be like oh yeah this video got 100,000 views or you know I got 600 likes on this post and stuff but it's the same people circulating the content amongst ourselves and we've got to think how do we break out of this Hmm. what channels do we have to reach the people that you know are concerned about the same thing as us but maybe don't understand the brexit issue as well yeah i mean do you can you give any examples of that like you know being out and about and and speaking with people from sheffield or what have you people that are you know they just have not changed their mind at all on brexit there are some people like like i referenced earlier um remainer now there are Mm. groups there are people that have certainly you know come alive to this and femi and 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 what have you callum and will from um ofoc they're all going out there and trying to speak sense to people that may have changed their minds have you come across anybody like that um well i mean uh one example i had recently was in in sheffield and i spoke to this young girl and she was a leave voter Mm. And she still thought that there was a Brexit dividend for the NHS. She still thought there'd be 350 million for the NHS. Uh, And I had to put a right on that and, um, you know, on the economy and stuff. And it just made me realise that, you know, there's so many people that we're just not reaching. And like yesterday, I did an event in Milton Keynes at a school and it was a fantastic event. Um, It was supposed to be unbiased, but the two Tory MPs who were representing the leave side of the argument didn't show up. Um, But the kids in the audience were from mixed backgrounds and we did, they did um, a vote at the beginning and at the end of this two hour sort of program of workshops and things where they asked them remain or leave. And then again, at the end, at the beginning, 70% remain, 30% were leave, two undecided spoil their ballot. Yeah. The only change by the end of this workshop was the two that had spoiled the ballot had um, ballot had switched to remain. Yeah, and that's our target audience. Actually, if we're going to win this people's vote, mm. we're only going to win it by a small majority, and the people that we're going to convince are the ones that are are apathetic, that are unsure, that. You know, the undecided, the floating yeah. voters, those are the ones that are going to sway it. And also a point you made, um, I think I, I was watching um, a clip of you uh, in a with, with Farage and oh, no. another person. Yeah, and, Lucy from Leavers of London. Oh, my God. Um, and, yeah, you, you made a very, very valid point that, you know, the, the, the youth, in adverted commas, the people that are not able to play, make a vote, make an impact on the referendum... You know, the people that are demonstrably against Brexit, by the time the deal's done, you know, they're, they're going to be, uh, hmm, uh, can I have a say on this? Yeah. What's wh- What do you feel about that level of, like, I don't know, bypassing the youth and uh, that the, they did, that the referendum did and will do? Well, the interesting thing at this event yesterday was the only thing that there was kind of a unanimous support for in any of the votes that we did was for votes for 16 and 17 year olds yeah and even the kids that were supporting leave a lot of them were saying we're actually kind of in agreement with a people's vote because Mm. we don't know what kind of brexit we're going to get and it may not be the ones you know the one that people thought they were going to get because when people voted it was completely blind Mm. and again yeah like you say the youth were not given a voice. And at the end of the two-year negotiations, never mind the transition period after mm. that, there's going to be a general, you know, to, uh, of the 16 to 17-year-olds will now be a voting age and they should have a say in their future. Yeah, And it's going to go on for, for years and years and years and years. Doesn't that scare the shit out of you? Because it scares the crap out of me. Like, <laughs> literally in 20 years' time, we will still be, this will still be, Yeah, you know. We talked about Iraq, but, you know, that's 15, 15 odd years ago. That's still sort of, that's still going on. The mess that was caused there. I mean, this is huge. And and my, that's my concern. How do you feel about the, the, the prospect that even once we've got this deal, I, I really struggle to not break down and laugh at that point. Um, whatever this sack of shit that we get back from, from Theresa May. How do you feel about, 20 more years of this 
it's pretty depressing. Mm. I mean, what I see Brexit as is the start of a uh, a decline uh, for the UK. It's the start of this negative narrative towards isolationism and, um, you know, basically just a poorer uh, country across the board in terms of the economy, but also our society and our culture mm. uh, and our environmental standards. You know, it's it's the start of a steady decline. And that's why it's really important that we try and stop it and rectify it as soon as we possibly can. But yeah, it might be a long game. We have no idea what's going to happen with the Brexit negotiations and with our campaign to try and stop it. And it may be that we have to lead a campaign to take us back in. Yeah, my God. It's it, it, Pandora's box, isn't it? Absolutely. It's horrific. One of my cartoons that I've drawn is Theresa May opening Pandora's box and then Nigel Farage and Donald <laughs> Trump sort of, you know. Well, this is, the. I mean, the thing is, it's like Farage was just there anyway. I mean, that Farage was just like basically the epitome of, of that vile right wing Neanderthal sort of men, mentality of, of a few... I don't know, you could say, I mean, they won a huge amount of votes, the UKIP, mm. um, pre, pre, pre-referendum. pre So it was always there. It's just like it's government's constant failure to address this in any meaningful way without, you know, not being able to sort of talk about immigration with two people, people are too scared and what have you. But I think that's an issue, right? Because what I think is, um, and, and, and what, we are failing at at the moment as a campaign is to be putting the positive case across. Yeah. We need to be talking about immigration and we need to be saying it's good for the country. It's good because they pay taxes, they contribute to, um, you know, funding um, our public services and they also contribute, um, you know, double time over in terms of like actually working in our NHS. Mm. Um, and in our public services uh, so we need to be having this conversation about it being a good thing and we need to be putting across the positive case for remain remaining in the eu because the reason why we're in this mess is that the british people have been drip fed um, a narrative of euroscepticism in the right-wing press for decades and there hasn't really been anyone even on the liberal side hmm. putting across a positive case about why the eu's great yeah. and the eu has also been failing to blow its own trumpet yes. so it's just a massive failure yeah no completely but when when you you know having a chat with with people like farage or what have you on on telly on the telly box um they they talk about it being anti-democratic the people's votes how do you feel about that that response the uh, anti-democratic thing you know the will of it's going against the will of the people that's nonsense because the will of the people's not a fixed thing that happened at one point in time um you know there's new evidence there's new facts there's new information there's new there's a new you know age group um coming in who need to have a say hmm. so the idea that it's undemocratic or that you're you know it's some affront to democracy is laughable yeah um it's trying to silence the remain campaign and tell us to shut up and um you know cow down to the brexiteers that's undemocratic yeah. you know when you have a general election you don't you know say labor won the next general election you don't then say to all the tories right then that's it you're done You've got to be. You've got to come and support Labour now. It, it would be good if you, you, you know, if they did suddenly have a change of mind completely. But <laughs> yeah. that's not how democracy works, and you, even I accept that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I'm being silly. I'm a being silly lad. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm actually really interested in your journey as well because <laughs> you've, you, you've written a book and what have you. I I've mean, written four books. Four, four fucking books. I mean, mate, I can't even write a diary. <laughs> You know, I, I, I struggle my name. I, my hand hurts after. I mean, obviously, we're talking about com- computers, obviously, yeah. unless you're unless you're really old school. But, oh, no, no, I've know. got a note. Like when I write a speech, I always write it, handwrite it. I, my, my hand starts hurting. Isn't that so bad? And I'm a gardener, but my hand starts hurting. The muscles I do not use But I'm use an anymore. artist, so I'm, I'm yeah. drawing all the time. Yeah, so this is obviously, you, we, we've, obviously, what a... What a spectrum of, of, of talent you have. Um, four books. Let's go through them. Yeah. First book. So the first one that I wrote was about refugees. And that was in response to the like spike in hate crime after Brexit. So I wanted to kind of do something about that. 
Um, so I wrote it about refugees. It's for kids to try and like educate them about the issues. And that was crowdfunded and then sold in aid of a refugee charity. Um, the next book that I wrote was a satirical parody of Alice in Wonderland called okay. Theresa Maybe in Brexit Land. <laughs> so all the uh, characters are the polit- politicians. So like Nigel Farage is the Mad Hatter. Donald Trump is Humpty Dumpty or Dumpty Trumpty. Okay, very good. Um, and then, yeah, Theresa Maybe uh, is Alice. Um, but then you've got Nick Clegg as the Cheshire Cat. <laughs> um, Boris is uh, Tweedle Boris, Tweedle Johnson. Yeah. Um, yeah, you've got the lot in there. So okay, yeah. That and that was crowdfunded again, and that was sent to MPs. Um, yeah, basically just to wind them up. A bit. And the third, third one was not actually a Brexit-related issue. It was about the Save Our Trees campaign in Sheffield. Oh yeah, you know they they decimated them up there, didn't they? There was a street, wasn't there, that they took them all down. It's more than one street. It's across the city. They planned to chop down half the trees. What the fuck? I remember Clegg talking about this before yeah. he lost his uh, seat. What was that all about? That's his... I voted for him, actually, when, yeah. before he lost it. Um, but no, um, that's to do with cost-cutting. Con- so it's a Labour-run council, and yeah. um, they were resurfacing all the roads because the, there were really bad potholes in Sheffield. So now the roads are fantastic, but as part of the contract, it's a 10-year contract, they've decided they're chopping down half of the city's street trees. Have they done it all? No, no, no. Well, uh, the uh, the uh, the campaign's been quite successful in trying to stop them, but they've chopped on a huge number. And the real concern for me is a street near us where the trees were planted in memory of soldiers that died in the war. And so they're literally named after a particular soldier. And these trees are like nearly 100 years old and they were going to be chopped down. Holy That's shit. That's chopping down a war memorial. If you went to the local park and you said, right, we're taking down that stone, you know, war memorial, there'd be outrage. Well, what's the difference for the tree? God almighty. And I've seen articles in newspapers saying, oh, young people don't understand the significance of war anymore because there's no connection. And I'm like, this is our last living connection to the, you know, to the war. And, you know, we're just basically chopping down because they're they're too difficult to maintain. Oh, oh God. I mean, when this first came up, I couldn't believe it, but I didn't know that, that they were actually, you know... I mean, it. Some of them, yeah. God Almighty, I love, I love pro- oh, anything in the name of progress. And um, and sorry, your fourth book. Fourth book is was a sequel to the first one. Yeah. So same characters again, and it's uh, but it was about the EU countries. Yeah. It's it's not an explicitly political book, but basically, um, the main characters go on a journey round all twenty eight EU countries. And they visit them and they learn about the culture and the history. So there's, and you know, like um, there's a picture of the flag and there's information about capital cities. And then like fun facts for kids, like um, in Denmark, um, they have sweets called hundepruta, which means dog farts. <laughs> there you go. I know, just One what kids, kids. want to read. <laughs> so like, you, that's amazing. 24th of June, you then written your first protest song and, and then you're writing. Is it immediate? You just go, right, I'm just going to go for this I'm using all my creative energy and and plow it into writing or well I'd already I was I've always written like kids storybooks like for my little sister and mm-hmm. um like when I was learning French I'd write them in French as like extra homework because I'm cool like that <laughs> um so it was always something that I've done and I was working on one about environmental issues when I was studying at uni uh before i dropped out <laughs> um, but so I, I, but so then naturally it was kind of like right I'll do one about, you know, to try and deal with this hate crime problem. Mm. Um, And then I was kind of like, I didn't really know what to do with it once I'd written the story. And someone was like, well, why don't you crowdfund it? Mm. And then, I mean, it was quite a journey and a process learning how to to crowdfund things and to self-publish and stuff. But then once I'd done one, it made... future ones a lot easier yeah well we've had natasha devon on the show and she's fantastic she she's just bringing about uh, bringing out her new book now actually um oh it's I what it's called Men, i think it's called Men, mental as anything or something i think it's it's about mental health anyway but she you know again crowdfunding and what have you i've spoken to a couple of authors and there and it's it's a new thing i come from a, a world where i think right i'm just going to write an amazing book or whatever and i'm just going to go down to penguin and they're just going to do it for me they're going to love it. and But crowdfunding now is amazing because it puts the power obviously in your hands, but it also gives you the confidence to know that people like the product and, you, you know, you can go out and keep, you can actually run like your life. 
Hmm. You know, and I mean, four books. We're going to talk like fifteen books. When are you going to stop? Twenty books, thirty <laughs> books. Just keep going. I've I've not written one for quite a while actually. I've, yeah. I was working on one about Trump. Okay. And I'm now thinking that if I'm going to do that, I've got to get it out before his visit on the 13th of July. So that is a tight time frame. Yeah. So I'm a bit like, like I was going to start working on it last week and it's just not happened. Yeah. So I've done about, it's about half finished. Yeah. So the question of whether I can get it done in time. Just power through, man. Pro, pro plus it. <laughs> I know, but I have to have time to actually sit down and do the drawings. And at the moment, I just seem to be going around the country. On so you like, illustrate your own books as well, which is absolutely yeah, yeah, fascinating. Yeah. That's, fucking hell man you you were like born to do this like what a, do you know how some people they were born in like i always feel like, this is so ridiculous a lot of people there. i i always feel like i was born in the wrong era i would have loved to experience rock and roll wow yeah like explosion of elvis presley and all that that would have been amazing but i think with you it's like you were born at precisely the right time you know it's like brexit yeah political activism boom away you go um I mean, geez, Louise, I, I'm a bit jealous. Oh, <laughs> I'm a bit damn jealous, but you know, it's fine. I'm rickety and old now, thirty six. Um, yeah, so um, the superhero costume. Yeah, where did you? Because could you explain where it came from and what exactly it is? Because I'll just explain it as and, and do it badly. Okay, well, I mean, it started out with, um, I, you know, I wasn't wearing it to begin with at all. I didn't start wearing the costumes until over a year after I'd been campaigning. Uh, but what I'd noticed uh, through doing the campaigning was that the visual stuff was having the biggest impact in terms of media coverage, in terms of shares on social media. And this is all about Brexit, right? This is yeah. pro-Remain stuff, yeah. Yeah. Um, and, you know, when I bought this Union Jack coat um, and started wearing a superhero T-shirt or, you know, an EU T-shirt, I, I dressed my dog up in like an EU T-shirt. So cool. Everyone loved the dog, you know, in the EU T-shirt. It's this really highly visual stuff. Um, you know, it gets a lot of engagement. It gets a lot of traction. So then it was like, how can you take this one step further? And actually, the first thing that I did was I got a pirate costume. and I was Captain Saboteur okay yeah I know we did this boat party on the Thames where we were all EU flags on a boat down the Thames and I was like well I'll be a pirate then okay exactly and I did that for a bit but then I was like the thing about Saboteur is that it's it's this negative narrative yeah I agree yeah yeah let's sabotage Brexit and then I was like well actually we need to make the positive case for the EU and we also need to make the positive case that you know, we can save Britain from this disaster. And then obviously, who saves anything? It's a superhero. So, right. And, and, and you know, because super, you know, the superhero logo is on a blue background. So it worked yeah. well with the yellow stars. And yeah. So, yeah. It's such a, a cool extrovert um, way to do things. Absolutely. I love it. And I've got to say, like, I think it takes quite a lot of balls to do that because I don't think I could do that. And I know there are a lot of people that couldn't do that. How, how do you feel about putting yourself out there in 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 such an extroverted way well does it come, does it come naturally or is um probably not and i mean it was it was because i was starting to do more performing at events um at, at the political rallies and stuff um that you know and then you gain confidence as you do that so it, it's you know i think it's like a skill almost or like a, a you know that you develop absolutely yeah wouldn't i wouldn't have said it was something that came naturally um but i feel very comfortable doing it now hmm. um and but the, i mean there are consequences um in terms of basically trolling online hmm. um abuse um that you just have to deal with I can imagine you get a well, pretty obscene amount of abuse. Yeah. Yeah. And you're dealing with that okay? Or are you just like, how is it? How are you doing? Well, there's different, like, there's different strategies for dealing with it. Um, and, you know, there's different kinds of abuse as well. Because, you know, you get the, the standard kind of stuff, which is just really mundane, like idiotic, hmm. um, 
uh, trolling or sexist abuse, which is laughable. Yeah. You know, people telling you to go make a lasagna or go back to the kitchen and learn how to. Oh, iron. I see. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's... I couldn't quite get that for a second. Yeah. I was like, oh, right. Okay. That kind of sexism. Yeah. Like, okay. It's just insane. And that stuff's laughable. And I can just retweet that and you have a joke about it. Yeah. But the stuff that's more malicious yeah. and really like uh, personal criticism mm-hmm. and um, when they start, when it's not even criticizing the politics and it's criticizing you as an individual, that's more hard to deal with. Yeah. But I mean, you, you've, I mean, it, it is difficult because obviously you're an, you're an artist, a performer, a writer, um, uh, I want to say painter, but it's not really, it's just, what's drawing, painting and everything Oh, no, no, I do do paint. Well, I, I normally just put it under the brand of artist because yeah. I do the illustrations and the cartoon stuff so they'll get people going like, oh, these silly crayon drawings and stuff. Right. But I, I do do oil painting and stuff as well and, you know, I did one of Guy Hofstad. I know. Um, I was going to, I wanted <laughs> to ask you about that. But bef- before I do, um, I just think it's, it's, it's interesting. The only reason, I, I think a 24-year-old, and I don't know why I'm... Sp- specifically talking about age I I think maybe comparing it to myself when I was 24 I was in bands and doing that sort of thing but if Brexit had come along then who knows what I would have done maybe I would have put on a super uh, heroes (laughs) outfit whatever but I just think it's it's so cool you know and I think there are a lot of people like you know EU flag mania guy that really people like yourself that are really going out of out of your way to capture people's uh, minds right yeah. and hearts and minds um how long i mean how long is that gonna last how, how long do you think you've got the energy to keep that going for <laughs> forever yeah eu supergirl doesn't quit yeah well no i mean the thing is because i mean it was fantastic when i won young european of the year because it gave me um you know credibility in the eyes of the eu institutions as well so i'm not just you know, fighting against Brexit, I'm fighting in support of the EU. And that mm. gives me more longevity. So who's giving you that award? Um, well, it's the Schwarzkopf Foundation, which Schwarzkopf. is... Schwarzkopf. Yeah. You know, like the hair dye. I actually, that's the hair dye that I use Holy as well. Fucking, yeah. I thought I was going to, I was going <laughs> to say that's a hair product, right? Wow. Yeah. It is, no, but it's, 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 a, it's based in Germany in there. <clears throat> They're in the European Commission. You've got like the Debbie Harry thing going on as well, which is quite cool. I love, know. I freaking love Blondie. Oh my God. Clem, <laughs> Clem Burt, one of the greatest drums of all time. Once anyway. I had a heart, yeah. it was, what was it? It was a gas. Something. Oh yeah, Once yeah, I had yeah. I love and it was a gas. Heart of glass, Soon yeah. turned out, had a heart of glass. There you go, there man. Go. And you can, and you can sing. Hey man, this is, this is like perfect for you. The, the Brexit landscape, this is going to be great. I'm on a roll. Um, and, and obviously, yeah, we, we, you, you mentioned Giva Hofstadt. Yep. I'm like following you on Twitter and then next thing I know you're in a, a hotel room talking about how the next day you're going to give Giva Hofstadt birthday presents and stuff. <laughs> and I was like, how did you get there? And let's talk about that right now. I mean, how did that happen? Um, well, I'd actually met him before yeah. um, because I did this project called Letters to Europe uh, where I'd collected these a thousand letters um, and we took from Remainers to take over to give out to people in Brussels. And uh, because of that, like, um, I had a contact um, in Brussels um, who works uh, for the commission, like on a freelance basis. But and then he knew some uh, the comms team for Gibraltar, right. so he got in touch with them, set up the meeting. So I'd met him before, so I had all the contacts in place, and I basically was just like, um, yeah, emailed his head of comms and was like hey, I've done this painting and we've got this card with 1,200 <laughs> signatures it, yeah. from uh, from the Remain campaign. Can we uh, can we come and give it to, to Guy? And he wasn't actually supposed to be there that day. That was the thing. We were going yeah. to only drop him off. But then uh, his trip to Paris was cancelled. So he just like happened to be there. Great. And they were like, Opportun- PR opportunity. This Hell is fantastic. Yeah. Oh my God. So he's a good guy, right? I mean, he... There was a thing that someone put on on YouTube, a clip of, um, I think, again, it was an EU flag um, chat. What's his bloody name? His, his Steve. Yeah. Sodom. And yeah, his, Bray, yeah, his Twitter handle, does my head in, I'm so dyslexic by the way. Oh, okay. So dyslexic. But he was standing outside Port Carter's house in Westminster waiting for him. Yeah. And he came, he finally came along. He looked like the loveliest guy. He is, he's so friendly. And he's so like, he's like one of those personable politicians. Yeah. Who actually like talks to people like they're actually people yeah. and actually cares about people's lives. Because, mm. you know, most politicians are just, I don't know, they're on their own 
planet. They're operating in this bubble. Well, yeah, or like Theresa May having to like keep her party together, and and that involves doing the shittiest possible hardest deal in the world mm-hmm. for Brexit. But how do you feel about um, the European Union? Sort of people like Giva Hochstadt, Michel Barnier. Like, those, how do you feel that they're handling the our demands and then countering their demand, our demands, and what have you? Um, I think Guy's very interesting because he's kind of like one of the ones that is fairly vocally anti-Brexit, whereas most of them are having to remain completely impartial. I mean, Michel Barnier is so pro. He is just so diplomatic. Yeah. He is like, you know, stone face. Um, I I think, um, yeah, I mean, they're being very, very careful. They're treading carefully. And I guess they have to. But at the same time, part of me wishes that they'd be more sort of vocally against it yeah yeah but you know and i did i just wanted to touch on because I, I i mentioned earlier about stephen kinnett before we press record and i, I was having a chat with him about why when is it going to come up when is it going to happen i don't know if it could even happen but a split in the labor party lib dems greens etc to form the kind of the party that would properly bring all remainers into one camp and fight Brexit. I'm saying I sound very remedial when I'm saying this. I know because it's dreamy, wishy-washy land. But how do you feel like the necessary movement's going to happen? Do you think it, we need one figurehead to, to mount this sort of proper assault on, on, on Brexit? Or do you think it is going to be a movement? And, and if you do think it's one person, who would you, who do you think could do it? Um, well, I met Stephen Kinnock when I did a panel debate for Channel 4 News in Bath. And he was pushing the... Well, no, I mean, he was um, he, he was following the Labour Party line of the kind of, we want our cake and eat it, we don't really know. I'm not committing to anything on the single yeah. market or the customs union. Proper MP, yeah. Yeah, and the problem is that the majority of the Labour Party are like that at the moment. There are very few that are literally coming out and saying, look, Brexit, bad idea. Yeah. You've got Chukka and Muno. Um, but still, even then, it's kind of still pushing for a soft Brexit. Not. I don't have a lot of faith in the politicians, is basically what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, in terms of one figurehead doing it, doubt it. Um, I mean, we've seen the emergence of a new political party, Renew, um, that would be hoping to sort of appeal to the um, Europhile Tories, uh, and Labour and then they've got very green policies as well and hoovering up you know people that have lost faith in the Lib Dems mm. I don't think it's going to happen mm. under the current democratic system um, ele- um, electoral system in the UK under first past the post yeah first past the post is just I, I think it's wholly undemocratic because what people end up voting for is just to keep out the uh, the party that they don't want in their area rather than voting for what they believe in. Tactical voting, yeah. I hate tactical voting. Yeah. I just, uh, and you know, lots of people ask me, they're like, oh yeah, why don't you stand as an MP or stand for this party or stand for that party? And I'm going, no, not a chance. Yeah. Not under first past the post. It's, you know, until we have electoral form in this country, you know, that's the next thing. Um, uh, that's something uh, AC Grayling actually, um, I was chatting to him about it, um, said after we've stopped Brexit, the next campaign is to get PR yeah i mean well we kind of had that reform electoral system yeah we had that weak vote under the um coalition government for av which nobody wanted exactly and it was just it was piss absolute piss it was just a little bone to give to the lib dems and nick clegg but it was so but i mean that's another probably what brought around brexit in the first place was the the total alienation of uh, and the voting reform that was required and i mean honestly it's like even at council level, every single level, we just had a London like council elections and a few around the UK. And it, it was just bloody, bloody pointless, you know, absolutely ridiculous. I mean, my ward is like 52 Labour um, councillors and like one green or something. It's what, mm. oh, great. That's democracy. You know, people are so obsessed with democracy at the moment. Why don't we actually take a look at really what is happening in our country? Yeah. You know. And I mean, I know like some people say like, oh, well, you know, there's not many green MPs or Lib Dem MPs, but then there's, you know, we haven't got many UKIP ones either. And I'm like, well, no, because actually the people that voted for UKIP, they probably need a voice in the parliament so that we can slam them down when they make their ridiculous arguments. You know, we need representation of minority groups. We need that. Mm. 
Um, and we don't have that. No, no, I completely agree. I mean, but it's an argument that keeps coming up. But because of the the the, the, the harsh thing is, it's a, a massive steel wall in front of us that you know is the current political establishment that will just quite easily just keep kicking it into the long grass. Bring down the establishment. Yeah, damn straight. But um, what's next for you anyway? I mean, like, I always I always think about you you guys and like Femi. When I say you guys, I mean like people like Femi and Will Dry and and what have you. Um, it, you guys have just got your finger so much on the pulse at the moment. What's what's the next thing? Like, if there's a march, obviously on the twenty third of June. June. Yeah. yeah, obviously two year anniversary. Um, is it? Yeah, it is. <laughs> oh, I can't believe it. God, two years it was like five years. What's what's next for you? Um, well, I mean, I'm a bit of a rogue player, so I'm not affiliated with any particular organisation. But that means that I kind of get. Uh, you know used and involved with lots of different groups and that's great and lots of the grassroots network I'm very integrated with them but also um, I'm seeing quite a lot of opportunities in in Europe as well because of the Young European of the Year thing so sort of coming up in June is going to be mental for me I'm going to Strasbourg twice yeah once for the European Youth event um, and once for um, some kind of panel debate for um, with like MPs and professor i'm also going to uh berlin which is something for the schwarzkopf foundation and i'm also going to frankfurt for the pulse of europe um event so there's a lot of traveling and then obviously there's the people's vote march on the 23rd of june so people need to come to that hell yeah and they need to tell all of their friends to come to that um and um i'm also doing liverpool and you know places in the uk i just everything's a bit ad hoc and it kind of a lot of stuff gets organized at no notice which right. is a little bit stressful sometimes but i'm hoping that i'll have some time at home so i can actually do these illustrations because otherwise the trump book isn't happening no god but it's so exciting though absolutely it, yeah. yeah and like, how are you how are you like surviving like <laughs> job wise and stuff and doing all this like how well, did you do it. Well, I did. I did drop out of uni basically yeah. to do this full time. Um, and in terms of, well, I live at home with my dad. Yeah. So, um, uh, hey, dad. A, Hi, dad. Hashtag EU super dad. Yes. Because every so often I'll post like, oh, my dad's helping me out with this or something at home. Like oh, he doesn't go out protesting at all. He just doesn't like can't not in his remit of things that he does. But he's he's obviously a Remainer, so he's yeah. like supporting it kind of through me which is lovely so yeah uh, that's EU super dad um and um yeah I mean I um I crowdfund most things yeah or local groups or whatever will pay for expenses so it's a bit like hand to mouth it's amazing it's fantastic it's 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 incredible yeah yeah no it's cool it's just so great to have like someone talking to someone that it is a movement. I really feel it's a movement. I think Paddy Ashdown mentioned that to me ages ago. He was like, look, this isn't going to happen through parliamentary procedure. This is going to be a people's movement. Mm. If, if there are, maybe if you could sp- inspire like another f- two or 3,000 super girls, super boys, you never know. Well, that's what I said to the kids in the school at the end. I said, remember you guys, you can all be superheroes too. You just need to be kind and help people when they're in need. That's so good. Um, and that's how I'd hope ultimately that kids would, you know, see what I do and, and think, hey, you know what, I can do something to change the world, to make it a better place. Yeah. Um, but no, I totally agree with you about this needs to be a people-led movement. And, you know, the politicians uh, voting it down in Parliament or whatever, it's not good enough. Hmm. Because at the end of the day, it's 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 got to come from the people. Because, you know, the people aren't going to accept... Uh, you know whatever the MPs uh, come out with unless you know it's it's what they want I just just want a fucking revolution when you were talking about PR earlier I was like this is I mean it does I have to almost stop myself but it is absolutely the lack of clear democracy we we have a form of democracy obviously Mm. but I'm talking about you know electoral democracy here you know obviously we're a very free and open tolerant you know society Um, 
But it's just it just drives me completely crazy. And you think, oh, hang on, why did Brexit happen? Oh, that's why it happened. You know, how are we going to get real respect back from for our parliamentary judicial? You know, the whole, even the justice system, everything. It's so archaic. Yeah, dealing with people that have such unique, you know, individual needs now, and oh my god, even going in to Westminster I hate being in the House of the Parliament it's like a museum in there it's just yeah. it's 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 vile and I mean like you know I've been to the European Parliament uh, quite a few times now and I've, I just find that environment so much more like I don't know just more comfortable because it just feels it feels more modern it feels more up to date hmm. um, and yeah I don't know Palace of Westminster yeah, I mean, this is the other thing, isn't it? It's like the abolishing, you know, we need to abolish the Lords. And it, yeah, pre-Brexit, you were saying that. Now you're like, Jesus Christ, they're a good, you know. Yeah, they're saving our bacon, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But Cleggie's always been banging on about um, getting rid of them and what have you. But they're a good reviewing chamber. So we need them. It's a, yeah, damn right, we need them now. You know, but I mean, oh, I'm chasing my tail a bit here. You know, once you start going down that rabbit hole of look what's wrong, it's very hard to get out. But I suppose as long as we've got people like yourself, then there is hope. We just need more. I think that's something that I keep saying oh, about the EU as a whole, actually, is, um, is that they need to harness people like me that are, you know, influencers in our in our echo chambers or you know our areas yeah and make use of those voices to bring the arguments down to a personal level because what we have is we have people connections um and networks like on the ground grassroots networks and that's how you engage with the public um you don't engage with it by putting loads and loads of money in money into you know corporate pr branded um strategies you know uh, and and that just gets done so much and I, it drives me mental because yeah. nobody it, it doesn't move anyone in any kind of emotional sense god no absolutely <laughs> not but look um i'm gonna try and talk you into uh, playing a song for us oh oh right jam a jam yeah, let's have a jam <laughs> um i'm gonna set the gear up and see what happens um but for now do you want to say goodbye to everyone Say goodbye, like a long farewell. You can say... I ain't going anywhere. You can say goodbye if you like. You don't have to. I'll say goodbye. Well, actually, I don't know. What we'll do is we'll just kind of keep it going and see what happens. Because all I'm going to do is press pause. I think I'll just finish by saying, show up for the People's Vote March on the 23rd of June. Tell all your friends and family. Get them along. We need everyone to turn up and we need everyone to support... Uh, and demand um, a people's vote on the final Brexit deal. Yeah. Hear, hear. Hear, hear. Yes, we got it right. Okay, we're back in We're back in the room, man. Okay, take it away, you supergirl. The song I wrote the first time I went to Brussels, mm. and I saw firsthand the fantastic work that the EU does that we're all going to throw away because of Brexit. So this song is called don't throw it all away. <laughs> Did you stop to think what you would sacrifice when on a will you took their advice? What did Just think before you act this 
Brexit rock and roll.